Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome in, everybody, to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burnt Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at BurnOrangeNation.com. Before we get started today, I'd love to remind you, if you like what we do, please leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, all of those places where you can find find podcast content you can for some reason find kyle and i you can also connect connect with us on social media at longhorn pod on twitter and feel free to shoot us an email we got a couple this week longhorn republic pod at gmail.com well my name is gerald goodridge i'm your host this week like i am every week and i'm joined by a man who has also thrown his name in as a democratic nominee for president kyle carpenter kyle how are you it seems like a, a pretty good four years. Uh, it seems like we've been doing the podcast just about that long. I think I've proven myself uh, worthy, so vote for me. Um, maybe also vote for me for one of the coordinator spots for UT. We'll talk about that later. Um, but, Gerald, it's the holidays. Are we? I, I feel like today we're going to really just reminisce on all the things we're thankful for. Everything with a little spice of cinnamon and clove on top of it goes down sweet and smooth and make you feel nice curled up in a blanket while you listen to this podcast. Is is, is that what we're going to do? Yeah, Kyle, we're totally just going to talk about good stuff and not the fact that the Texas uh, offensive coaching staff is kind of a tire fire, as exhibited by the lack of performance against the Baylor Bears on Saturday. So Texas went into the game expecting to do a little bit, managed just 10 points, scored its only touchdown of the game with one second left on the clock. The true definition of garbage time, down 24-3 to at that point. Kyle, I don't know where to begin. I'm at a loss for words, and I feel like I say that every week, but the offense continues to shock me. Each Like, I think... It's kind of like that that hot mess family member that comes over for Thanksgiving, and it's my fault that I'm surprised that there's still a hot mess. Like when when it when it's a surprise every year, it's on me. When it's a surprise every Saturday, that's on me, right? Yeah, that's that's probably a good way to look at it. I mean, it's I, I really think we should save all of our good analysis for the uh, the final one second of the first half of. of the podcast in the final one minute of the uh, of the end of it because that's the only time Texas even thought about scoring outside of the uh, the huge um, Keonta Ingram run play again it's about forty percent of their offense for the first half on one 
big 68 yard that the dicker converted for a field goal and again calling a timeout with with just a couple seconds left to make sure they got that touchdown there um this one could have been 24 to 0 and even then felt like that wasn't even close to indicative of how one-sided um this game was i mean this was just <laughs> it was it was not a particularly fun game to watch Gerald I'll say that and, and I'm I'm happy to to sit here and, and break down why exactly that is but I'm also a little bit bewildered if you look at the, the total offense uh stats the teams matched up they were 391 391 and that's why you have to watch the games folks because in no world were these two teams even on the same strata um, in the same atmosphere. It just, it was very nice of you. So you did say we were going to be nice of you to say it's kind of a tire fire on offense. This thing is is precariously close to falling off the cliff. Um, the wheels have already fallen off. It's it's riding along on spokes right now on hubcaps grinding the ground, but it's it's bad. How, do, how the heck did we get here, man? It was embarrassing all day. It, was, it started pregame. With Tom Herman headbutting players, he's been doing that yeah. for a long time. But um, just it's just a we. It feels like like a relic of a bygone era, right? It's just like why is that still a thing? Um, and it looks even more foolish because well, he's the final say on offensive play calling, and he honestly looked like he may have been concussed for most of the game. So <laughs> Texas's first five drives go for punts. Five drives, five punts. By the end of the game, they had nine drives that ended up with a punt or a turnover on down. The only drives that did not end that way were an interception, the field goal at the end of the half, and the touchdown at the end of the game. That is a blatant definition of ineptitude if I've ever seen one. That's exactly right. And, it, and, and it, you're right. It was You could focus on specific players, but it was the the entirety of of that offense that was just garbage um just just to go up a level i think you have to you have to put players in position to be successful and it just seemed completely not cohesive unorganized uh, just you know like you were you were doing the twitch plays football letting you know random plays get picked and and for some reason um you know motion bubble screen was on the the list of four every time that you could choose from there are definitely issues that, that you have to talk about with the players. There was far too many plays when a guard and a tackle both said, you got him, and, 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 and you know, followed that, that him um, to, you know, pick him up off of the quarterback while they sacked him. I mean, just un- unbelievably bad performance from the offensive line and pass protection. And, and we're, I don't know why Baylor would ever blitz because they had plenty of pressure every single time they blitzed three on five. Um I mean, just 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 the. It felt like anytime we had a read play uh, with receivers, that it didn't work out the way you know in the past. That's looked like a well-oiled machine. Zone read option just didn't look like it, we were selling it to hold defenders. You know, just getting it out. It just nothing looked like people who were on the same unit were playing the same game and and had the same you know ethos and the same vision and the same. Uh, understanding and, and and energy to to go and execute again. Like if you take out a a sixty eight yard run uh, to end it, Texas Texas had very few 
like major plus plays through this entire game on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, I I got nothing to say about that. I mean, Ellinger regressed. I think he's regressed these last several games. Uh, 22 of 37 for 200 yards and an interception, 19 carries for 72 yards. That no, Those numbers are, are indicative of, I think, how – Texas doesn't know what it's doing with Sam Ellinger and doesn't know what it's doing with his offense. Uh, there have been six times this year that Sam has had to uh, to touch the ball or make a play more than 50 times, and Texas is 1-5 in those and should be 0-6 if they hadn't uh, let Cameron Dicker beat Kansas. And so it's I, – I think, honestly, the most frustrating part about this is that they are wasting Sam Ellinger's career. Like, as a University of Texas quarterback – Sam Ellinger should be an all-timer. And after like four or five weeks this year, we felt that way. And then these last several weeks, it looks like he's regressed. And 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 I don't think it's on him. I think the coaches are overcoaching him probably. I think he's getting a lot too much feedback. And I think his ability to make checks at the line, if you believe the message boards, has been limited, if not eliminated entirely. And I think that's costing him. Yeah, I mean, it, it is a good – that's a great point of, you know – is this regression that's clearly happened since week three, maybe you say week four, Oklahoma State, but, um, you know, since since that point, um, it's it's really been West Virginia, Oklahoma, Kansas, TCU, Kansas State, Iowa State. It's it's every week you can think of those games and they probably give you an evocative groan of, ugh. Even some of those games you won, it's like, ugh, you know, nothing about those were the sexy offense where we're going out like we did against LSU and just moving the ball hitting passes, throwing the, you know, the, the sideline routes, hitting um, third downs whenever we needed them, finding sure-handed receivers. Again, big caveat, Colin Johnson's out. But if at this point in the season you're that reliant on one single player in a spread offense, you're running the wrong offense there, guys. Um, it, it, there is some issue with Sam. It, it just, I don't want to put it all on him because we've seen what he has been able to be when he is properly equipped he has the right offense he has the right coaching he has the right enablement empowerment whatever it is um you don't just lose that and and go from a guy who throws for 450 yards um and you know just a handful of of completions on the regular to you know it seems like a a quarterback who I really don't know how to describe it other than he drops back. There's pressure coming. He takes three steps, looks at his first read and says, well, I got to do something. And then he reverts back to, you know, 19 year old Sam, who then tries to take on the world in a, in a quarterback scramble up the middle and gets maybe three yards if he's, if he's really fortunate. So I, the offense had just regressed to such a level that it just didn't feel like they were running plays. It felt like they were, you know, defenders were back there in a, in a touched football game, counting one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi before they could blitz. And then he's like, all right, nope, now I can run. And and he, he ran. It felt like flag football, but not with any of the fun parts. I don't know what else to say. It, it's like, I feel, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but the offense was just so bad. Like, if you tell me going into the game, that Texas holds Baylor to 24 points. And I said this last week, and it's the same thing. If you tell me how many points the other team has scored in really the last, like, three games, I'm like, yeah, Texas wins running away. Like, there's there's no way Texas loses this game. If you hold Charlie Brewer to two touchdowns, like, that's ridiculous. Like, there is... There's no way Texas should lose that game, but again, the offense came up short, and it feels it's starting to feel a lot like 2017, where the defense was incredible and the offense was was not. It, Kyle, I guess I guess the question we have to to talk about here is what does the offensive staff do from here? 
Like, where do they go? What what happens? Herman has said, he said it in his Monday press conference, that he is in evaluation mode, but with a short week, you don't really want to make any decisions, which I agree with. But where do they go from here? And and what what's it going to take to get this program, and especially this offensive unit, uh, up to a standard where they can win some football games? Yeah, we said after the Iowa State game when we, on this podcast last week, and talked about it was, you know, what's the next two games? What can Texas do? And, and Part A that I said is we'll see the character. We'll see a team that, you know, had set out and said we're going to play for a Big 12 championship and had that taken away, and what do they play for? Where's the heart? Um, And we also said there was a lot of coaches, specifically on the offensive side of the ball, who were auditioning for their jobs. We have one example uh, of that, one sample size of of Baylor, um, and neither of those things look particularly good. Um, I can't imagine right now that this offensive staff looks exactly the same way it does um, when we kick off, you know, in week one of 2020 uh, as it does right now. Right. I, I do not think that, that that's the case. I don't think anyone thinks that Like you, you don't have I don't care if they were the number five unit at one point in the country. You don't have a team that has this much of a collapse and something doesn't change. Now, whether that happens after Texas Tech, whether that happens after the bowl game, I, I guess will be determined. But I, I really think. Right now you have Tom Herman calling the offense and Tim back named as the offensive coordinator and in theory coordinating the offense. Um, I used air quotes there. Um, I don't think that both of those things are the same next year. I think you you have to go out and get someone. And, and whether that means Tim Beck is no longer on the staff or whether that means he takes a different role coaching you know, quarterbacks or, or whatever, um, it is specifically that, that he does what, well um, in, in people's estimation. Um, you bring in someone to, to inject something new, to give a new vision, to challenge hashtag alignment and, and – I mean, we, we, we talked about multiple of the guys a couple of weeks ago and during the bye week of, of who couldn't be here. I, I think there will be a new offensive coordinator. I don't think Coach Wareheim will be uh, the tight ends coach, um, you know, slash recruiter next year. Uh, I think you see some new faces. And again, I always try to couch this conversation in like if my job was on TV and people saw all the mistakes I made, like it would, I would be fired very quickly. But the thing that, I think you hit on it right there. I, I am I'm kind of over Wareheim at this point. I've said it the last three weeks. And I really would love I I'm not anti Tim Beck. I am anti Tim Beck as an offensive coordinator. I think Tim Beck is one of the better quarterback evaluators and recruiters in the country. And if you look at the next two recruiting classes, he's landed Hudson Card and Jaquinnon Jackson in 2020 and Jalen Milrow in 2021. And so I, I want to see him stay on campus as potentially like a QB coach slash special teams coach. Like take the demotion, do it because you need to be employed. Uh, and I don't think it's going to be easy for Tom to fire his friend. And so I want to see, I, I need a change there again. Uh, that special teams unit has been atrocious outside of some individual kicking performances. And then I think you need to bring in an offensive coordinator. Like, I don't know, maybe Chad Morris. I I know there are, there are talks and rumors that, um, 
Chad Morris and Tom Herman uh, don't have the greatest relationship, and I think it's shocking that Tom Herman has alienated somebody. Who would have thunk that Tom Herman uh, would have pissed somebody off to the point where maybe they wouldn't take a job after getting fired? I don't know. But like th- that guy's on the market. Willie Taggart's on the market, and those two are really good offensive coordinators. They just couldn't get the job done as head coach. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we-, we-, we could go and talk about you know potential offensive coordinators i mean i don't know how we're going to pry joe brady away from you know lsu before next year but um <laughs> after what he did with, with joe burrow but no i mean I, I think there's a list and i think if if an action happens we can go through that list and talk about some of those guys you know i think there's um there's a lot of interesting things but the the other thing to remember um, we, we talked about it during the offseason when it was announced. Pretty much everyone got one-year extensions through this year. The only coaches um, who currently have contracts, I, th- I believe, going into next season are Orlando and Herman. Um, so almost anyone else is on the board. Um, and, and, you know, obviously you could make the argument that even Orlando may not be entirely safe. Um, improvements on defense society still in the hundreds in most defensive statistics but uh, I think right now the way that the offense is playing that's the most immediate need Um, you know again we're not going to sit here and say well our defense is phenomenal Um, but again even though they looked like for majority of the season the issue uh, the offense is cratered to such an alarming state that that is where the instant fire fire we have to put it out uh, currently sits so I I just like I said I, I just don't know how there's not one two three four you know whatever changes on the on the offensive side of the ball it could be wholesale and and I'm I disagree with you there that I, I don't think the need is to be wholesale I think you don't want to lose a recruiting class that's that's already kind of teetering and so wholesale changes on the coaching staff generally tend to. Uh, put a pin in, in what could be a good recruiting cycle. Uh, but I do think there need to be changes on the offensive staff. I think uh, Tom needs to not be in the play calling process. Dabo Swinney is like who you need to be. Um, Doc Texas on Twitter was talking about it, but like recruit fundraise and then let your coordinators do what they do. Like that's what you need to do. And you mentioned, uh, you mentioned Todd Orlando. So we do want to talk about uh, what the defense did because the defense played a really good game. Like, in the Big 12, 24 points is a win for your defense. Like, let's just be honest. It's the best offensive conference in the country, giving up less than 400 yards, giving up 24 points, holding Charlie Brewer, one of the best quarterbacks in the country, to just two touchdowns, less than less than 300 yards. That's a good outing from a defense from a quarterback who put up, what, almost, uh, what, 31 last week? So, like, there is a... Uh, there's There is a... I just I, I I cannot figure out how Texas cannot put the defense on the field consistently and and get the offense to match up with it because I I've been impressed with the defense these last three weeks. Yeah, on a macro level for sure, but there's still things that that make me just scratch my head and wonder at some of the coaching. I mean, there was a point when Baylor lined up, and again, maybe this isn't what they've showed on tape, and it was different, but lined up in kind of a tight tight end wing tight wing um formation and and we had our defensive line strength away from that wing and and defensive backs not you know up filling that gap um and and baylor said okay we'll get ahead of steam before anyone touches us and they ran that like four or five times they went back to that well on on third downs they ran it with brewer they ran it with running backs i mean like they, they they just found something that they 
could beat Texas at very easily just from plain schematics and stuff like that. Again, I'm not sitting here and saying this was a terrible defensive performance. I would have loved a 45 to, you know, 23 uh, or 24 point uh, final score, right? So if the offense is moving the ball, you give up 24 points, you can win comfortably by a couple scores. I get what you're saying, um, but I still just feel like uh, it isn't, perfect even though we've improved it's because we've improved from being such a horrendous unit for such a large part of the season again I I don't want to sit here and just be Mr. Pessimist I I don't think that you know it is our job as someone covering this team to sit here and just entirely trash every player and every piece of decision making that goes into it I mean there were bright spots I thought Chris Brown looked fantastic coming back I thought Overshone playing downhill looked every bit of five star and looked like a player who's who can translate that skill set to Sundays. So I, I it's not all is lost. I just think they need to show two more games. They need to show tech. Again, improvement keeping that trend as health becomes a, you know something that's a little bit more guaranteed um than it was earlier in the year and then in the bowl game. Let's see something from the defense with that time to to scout devise a game plan and commit like they did last year for, for, for Georgia. So if that can happen, then, then I, yeah, I think defense you can feel a little bit better about with the second half of the season. And, and I, I, I don't imagine that I'm again, I, I'm going to eat crow saying this, but I just, I cannot see a world in which they do not come out and play well on senior night. Like I don't see that world granted didn't see them laying an egg in Waco either. So maybe I'm just bad at my job. I don't know. But that's what we've got to see. Texas takes on Texas Tech at home. Short week. They'll be playing on Friday afternoon in Austin. Senior night. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Now's the part of the show where we give some shine to the sports that don't necessarily get as much attention as the football team. Uh, we're also kind of depressed about football, so let's talk about some things that are going relatively well, and we down the 40. So the former number one Texas women's volleyball team lost its first match of conference play 3-2 to two on the road against the Baylor Bears. It actually came back, I think, from a 2-0 uh, deficit to force five sets uh they bounced back with a 3-1 win over kansas uh Brianni butler won her first defensive player of the week uh honors from the big 12 2.2 blocks per set 13 on the week and skylar fields continues to rack up the hardware her fourth rookie of the week 17 kills which averages out uh to 2.8 per set which is a pretty big number yeah, they, they they bounced back very well. They they did fall to number four after the loss to Baylor, which come on, I mean they they swept Baylor and then lost three two um, at Baylor, and Baylor rightfully moves to number one. Um, but I, I don't I don't see how you know both Stanford and Pittsburgh jumped UT there. But okay, that's fine. Give them a little chip on their shoulder. Um, still still really excited for this volleyball team as they they come to the end of the season. 
I, I, I don't understand how they fell that far, but it's fine. Whatever. Uh, so uh, men's basketball, they had an ugly showing against Georgetown in Madison Square Garden, but bounced back and put the boots to Cal 62-45. to 45. They fell out of the top 25, uh, and, and I think a lot of that was spurred by what happened in the second half against Georgetown because that was a um, – I'm just going to say, that was an ugly half of basketball. It, it felt like the, the Hoyas kind of came in the second half and, and realized that they what the Texas defense is going to do under Coach Yak is they're, they're not going to switch, and so it's going to be man, and it's up to Texas defenders to be better than their offense and to um, shepherd people into the spots that they don't want to be in. They chase them off the three-point line. I mean, Gerald, if I told you Georgetown had only five three-pointers, like – and Matt Coleman hit six himself. How many points do you think Texas wins by? I mean, it, it the the they got Georgetown where they wanted, but it, they felt like they hit fifty shots from a foot inside the three point line, which is exactly what you want people shooting. Those are low percentage shots. That's the system that the coach Yaklets put in, and Georgetown just flexed and broke it. I mean, I don't know what to say other than that. That was one of those nights. I hope um, it was disappointing for sure um, to to lose that, but. I mean, you, bouncing back against Cal and holding them to 45, which is their lowest of the season this, this year shows that it's not that the system is just so broken. Um, but you know, it, it is a little disappointing, um, given they had that number next to their name and there was definitely some excitement. And though I don't think they would have beat Duke by any stretch would have been exciting to get that marquee matchup. Um, you know, they now have a string of winnable games. I think probably four of them, um, before they, they take on a Providence team and then, you know, uh, get into Big 12 play. The I think the promising thing, that, that loss to Georgetown sucked. It was not. But the promising thing, and I put it out there on Twitter, is Texas seems to have found a stroke a little bit from three-point land. Uh, and early on, they were definitely knocking down their three, so I think that'll be interesting. Uh, women's basketball got off the snide, uh, beat UT Rio Grande 85-69, to and then beat Southern 93 to 39. That's not even fair. Uh, they're heading to Hawaii. Heading to Honolulu to face uh, number 12 North Carolina State, North Texas, and Hawaii this weekend. Man, that'll that'll be fun. I uh, I'm very curious to see their their Thanksgiving dinner in the in the hotel there. Um, hopefully the they, the families. I mean, that's a great chance. Go with them. Go 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 enjoy Thanksgiving in Hawaii. I'd love if my family did that, but I can't let that score against Southern go go by without pointing out how that might be my favorite palindromically inclined score I've ever seen. Ninety three to thirty nine. It's 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 tough in the four digits to get a better score than that. I guess ninety one to nineteen would be uh, the the true best. But that's that's a whooping. Palindrome scores are my second favorite thing uh, to a team getting Fetty whopped, which is fun. Get, be, getting beat uh, 38 to seven, 17 or 1738. <laughs> uh, that's my second favorite thing is seeing somebody get Fetty whopped. Uh, swimming and diving had a diving. They had a competition this weekend. And as these things tend to go, Texas took basically the top three spots in everything. So I'm not going to read them all out because, well, uh, it's going to take a while. And then the men's tennis team, they were in D.C. celebrating a national championship win, uh, well-deserved as they go into their fall break. Yeah, it was kind of feel-good with uh, with the football and somewhat the basketball programs letting down a little bit. It, it was nice to have the salve of um, remembering we had a national championship 
team uh, this year or this past year who are defending it and, and off to a, a roaring start in the fall. Um, so there, there are good vibes. It's easy to forget that, but there's still a lot of good stuff happening with this athletics program. Absolutely. But that brings us to the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college athletics, Big Bertha, and we bang the drum brought to you by Joe Rui. So Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week? So close your eyes for me, readers. Um, We're going to go on a little little journey here as it's Thanksgiving week. Picture your table. You're probably covered with all of your favorite foods on there. Maybe you see a, a golden glistening turkey stuffed to the brims with a nice cornbread or, or your stuffing of choice. Some mashed potatoes on the sides. Maybe you're a sweet potato yams type of person. There's a green bean casserole of some kind. Probably some delicious bread. Some people are croissants. Some people are muffins. Some people just go with the King's Hawaiian. It's all good. They're carbs. Everyone loves them. Um, maybe you have a salad on there, some Brussels sprouts, something green, make you feel good. There's probably some iteration around that, that every person's thinking, oh, but at my house, whether that's mac and cheese or or whatever, at my house, we do this. I want to go ahead and say one thing that I've never heard until this week that's on someone's Thanksgiving table and why it is a troubling, troubling fact. The Texas Longhorns football head coach, when asked the question about his favorite Thanksgiving food, harkened back to his days as Chef Boyard Tom, the young Italian Dom Armano, um, diving into a bowl of, of, not ravioli, he actually said raviolis, plural, um, and I may have lost more respect for our coach during the presser than I did when he called the timeout to make sure we didn't get, you know, 24 skunked basically against Baylor. Come on, Tom. You've been in Texas a couple of years. You understand there's a narrative here. Culture, alignment. Just go ahead and say the cornbread. Go ahead and say the, you know, cranberry. Whatever. I don't care. You don't say ravioli's your favorite Thanksgiving food, Tom. You just don't. It's a quick way to lose the boosters. I agree, Kyle. I 100% agree. Now, in my family, there is occasionally a lasagna served with Thanksgiving dinner because I have an uncle that doesn't do turkey uh, for some reason. But uh, that's neither here nor there. But yeah, I, I the the right answer is always mac and cheese. The right answer is always mac and cheese, Kyle. You're you're absolutely not wrong. I'm going to ask readers. I'm going to put this out to you, please, please. And in, in the in on Twitter, hit us at uh, hashtag replies of Texas and tell us a what your favorite Thanksgiving food is, and b if there is one of these these oddballs. Maybe I am just so traditional I didn't realize it. Um, but tell us what the oddball thing on your your Thanksgiving uh, table is. Um, and again, uh, at, or hashtag replies of Texas. Kyle, I feel like there's going to be more macaroni and cheese at family functions in your future. But uh, this week, the academic all Big 12 teams were announced, and the Texas Longhorns had 21 players land on the first or second team. So basically, first team is, I believe, it's like 3-2-5 and above, and then I think the second team is like 2-7-5 to 3-2, which is still pretty solid. Uh, Texas had 16 players 
players on the first team, which is the most the football program has ever had. And I just love seeing uh, there were a lot of captains on that list. Um, and a lot of guys that I think are culture captains for the program, guys like Keandre Coburn uh, was a second teamer, which was just good to see. So I am, it's just good to see the student part of student athlete not lagging behind. And I say that unironically uh, because I feel like the NCAA is built to just chew these guys up and spit them out. Uh, hey, thanks for the four years. Get out of here. And so I love seeing guys that are taking the classroom stuff seriously and getting out of it. Even if you don't, again, a lot of them are going to go pro in something other than sports, right? So if you're one of those, which the vast majority of you are, like, get the free education. There's a reason why student debt forgiveness is one of the biggest political hot buttons in the uh, in the political sphere right now because it's a big deal. So, like, get the free education and, and enjoy it. And I know it's tough. I worked full-time, and it wasn't even anywhere close to what uh, – what these athletes are asked to do. So it's just good to see that guys are excelling in the classroom uh, as much as they can. Absolutely. I mean, that that's, again, when we talk about gloom and doom, that's the, uh, that's the important, real important part. It's perspective that is required. That's what they're actually here to do is to get an education and, and do that well. Um, so none, don't tweet at us in the replies of Texas with any of your, you know, your takes that go something along the lines of, well, if you would have spent more time in the playbook than in school books, um, we don't want that. Um, if you have those, go ahead and tweet them at, um, I don't know, Chip, Chip, uh, Chip, chip Gaines? <laughs> chip, chip Gaines is fine. Any of the chips. Just ship lap them on over there. That's all we've got for you uh, for our preview episode. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Kyle Carpenter. You can follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer. You can follow me on Twitter. I am at G.H. Goodrich. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. You can also catch me on my other podcast, Two Woke Nerds, where we talk at movies and comic books and all sorts of nerdy stuff. We just wrapped up doing a recap of the last few episodes of Watchmen and The Mandalorian, so you can check us out over there if you're into that sort of thing. Two Woke Nerds, wherever you find podcast stuff. But that's all we've got for you this week. Thank you so much for tuning in, and until next time, hook them. Hook them. Keep feeding the running backs, please. <laughs>